It's called Flip the Switch. Uh, I, I think that a lot of times as we, uh, we talk about this, this term, and I hope to begin to really sink in, uh, you don't have to be an electrician to, when we talk about flipping the switch, you do it when you go into a room, whatever the case may be. Uh, some of you um, have your very, uh, your, you're so electronically inclined that uh, you just speak the word and it, it just come on, but it, it cuts the switch on and off and it costs the flow. Uh, another simpler would be, you know, when you go to the, to, to the sink and whatever water, the hot water, the cold water, uh, if you want cold water, then uh, you're not going to get it until you turn that knob, okay? When you turn the knob, then everything on the other side that had been sitting there waiting for you, all of a sudden the water start coming out. But until then, it sits there. I don't care what you say, I don't care how you feel until you flip the switch, until you do it, it won't make a difference. And that's why I think it's important as believers, we need to learn the, the art, I'm, and I really mean when I say the art of flipping the switch. Because when, able, when we're able to flip the switch, then we're able to do some things and we put ourselves in a position of being in control at all times. Whenever you're not able to flip the switch, then you are not in control. Your circumstances are in control. Are you hearing me? Your circumstances are in control. So uh, let me just start off with a past scripture that you're already uh, familiar with. Uh, that's Genesis 20:21. Uh, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should uh, be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will uh, provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You, you all know the story, don't you? Well, well, we'll come back to that. But you see what he did? He just flipped the switch. But he had to flip it a long time ago to stay with God's plan. A lot of times we, we are not able to fulfill God's plan because we're still trying to do it our way. And what he wants us to do to be able to flip the switch so that it'll flow with his plan. Although I don't care how difficult it is and who don't understand it and how troubled you are, God says, I want you to stay there. And I want you to be able to do what, what are you supposed to do with that, uh, that switch again? Flip the switch, okay? Uh, it'll, it'll make a difference. Guess this now. It'll make a difference in not only your life, but it'll make a difference in the life of others. If you don't flip the switch in your life, you won't be the source of life and encouragement and everything else for others. I trust that you will learn to flip the switch. So in our introduction, then we look at this. Everything that happens to us has a purpose and a plan. Our responsibility is not to react, but to act. There's a tool that God has given us that will always give us the proper perspective. I call it flipping the switch. Defining the term. Uh, flipping the switch is the act of visualizing from God's perspective everything that happens to us and refining any negative areas as what type of builders? Character builders. This is not a state of denial or, or, or uh, psychoanalysis, but a biblical principle to be embraced for stability, creativity, growth, and productivity. 
whenever something happens to you today, well, I don't care how hard it is, who did it, if God got you through it today, label, when it moves into yesterday, label it as a character builder. What is it? A what? Because if you bring yesterday into today, it's going to shut down your creativity. You won't be able to receive what God wants you to have for today. You'll be, uh, you'll be always, you'll be uh, defensive, all of your attitudes and everything else. What you were struggling with yesterday, you're going to bring in today. That's why whenever something happens to you, redefine that experience as a character builder. How many times that someone have done something to you that you say, you know what, I need to redefine this thing as a character builder. And, and get the person's face out of it, okay? Get the person's face out of it, who did it to you. Because now you label it on the, on the person. No, God will use anybody at any time, and sometimes it'll be your best friend. But the whole idea is this. It'll... God will dwindle it all the way down to, it's just me, that's on, uh, this you and the Lord all along. God said, good, now all you can depend on now is not your friends, it's me, yeah. Now we're in the character building, so now I can build on this. Now you're not looking to your friends and telling your friends all your business. Now you can look to me. That's where it should have been at the beginning, and we could have been long, uh, doing a whole lot of things a long time ago, okay? So, th thinking it through, for clarity, let us uh, take three snapshots that will help us to understand this better. First, flipping the switch of relationships, and we look at Joseph. Then flipping the switch uh, of disaster, we look at Job. Flipping the switch of uh, evil, that's Jesus. So we have Joseph, we have Job, we have Jesus. Each one of these are different situations that's happening. And God is saying, in each one, make sure that you learn the lesson so that no one will shut you down. See, why? Because we're more than conquerors to him that love us. You see? Why do you think God give you all? Why do you think that God have given you all of this equipment uh, to fight with, he gives you the, this the sword and all of these other things to fight with so that when it comes up, you use the sword for this, you use the shield for this, you, and after you've done all of that, what are you supposed to do? Stand. Don't you understand that we're in a battle? We're battling with, with some things we cannot see. We're dealing with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are fighting that, that, that uh, energy day in and day out. You can't do it in the flesh. So please keep that in mind. That's why we have to learn to do what? Flip the switch. You know, I'm just trying to help you because uh, I've been through it so much. I'm just telling you as a, as a survivor, you know. I, I, I learned how to find that switch real quick. I become skilled now. I'm becoming skilled at flipping the switch. You see? Oh, I can I can get hurt and yes, I'll cry. I'll actually yeah, sure enough, Don Racket will sit up and cry. But it won't be long, it won't be all day, it's just for a moment until I get to that switch. Just let me get my hand on that switch. Because once I get my hand on the on the switch, I'm gonna flip it. 
And I know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, things are going to happen. You're going to have your hurricanes or your tornadoes and, and all these twisters and everything else in your life. But it's for your character building. Because you see, like, like we get it with Joseph, it's more than you involved. There are lies that are going to look at your life that are going to be really encouraged. You're going to save people based on how they look at you. Don't you understand that? If you don't, you will. I hope that you will just learn how to get to that switch. Just get to it. Boy, okay. First, flipping the switch uh, in relationships. And that's what we did when we talked about Joseph. How do I flip switch in relationships? Ah, well, uh, as for you, you meant, it, uh, uh, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Do you, now get this now, the moment that Joseph had the dream, do you think that God laid out the whole plan? Do you think that God told him that your brother's going to throw you in the pit and, and the Potiphar's wife's going to tempt you? God does not tell you the whole plan because you'll be worried every day. He'll take you step by step by step by step, and sometimes he'll leave you there for a little while. Joseph said, I, I was there in the pit for a little while, just for a little while, you know. But I didn't let the pit define me. I sat there in it, but I didn't let it get in me. That I was in the pit, and I let this, I, I, and while I was there, even when I was in prison, I was so good at being in prison that they made me ahead of the, of the prison. But now, now, you know that's good. I mean, you were talking about somebody flipping the switch. He was so, so good that the person says, let this man do this, this, this. And he was helping folks and good morning and how are you doing? And I mean, he was really doing it until they put him in, in solidarity. But he wasn't there long, but he was there for about almost two years. And almost two years, he didn't hear from anyone. But God gave him a dream a long time ago. He identified him a long time ago. God says, I'm going to do something to you about, about you and in your life a long time ago. Don't let what's happening today shut, shut down what I told you way before this happened. You keep in mind what I told you. What did God tell you a long time ago when you got saved? He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. I'll be with you. Don't worry about that. I got your back. But what he does not tell you, that during this time, you're going to run into a relationship. You're going to deal with, with family. And if you try to tell the family what God is telling you or what God laid on your heart, sometimes they misunderstand and uh, they look at the extremes. They even became jealous of, of Joseph. And guess what? They hated Joseph. This was not his enemies. The enemies was not without. The enemies were, were within. The enemies right now, the enemies was his brothers. His brothers, his 11 brothers, were responsible for putting him into the pit. They first wanted to kill him. They were tired of him. He was the one daddy was always spending time with and showing him math and everything else. And then he's going to come up with this robe and saying, you know what? I look pretty good. How do I look, guys? I look pretty good. Let me turn around. Look, like, I look pretty good. And then I had this dream that 
Everybody's going to be bowing down to Everybody's going to be bowing. Everybody's going to be bowing down. You and you and you. And even mom, dad, you, all of y'all going to be bowing down to me. I had this dream. And, and the parents were upset. The brothers were upset. But Joseph had a dream that no one understood. There's some things that God's going to just tell you. When you try to tell others, they won't understand it. Why? Because God was not talking to them. He was talking to you. He was talking to you. And, and, and sometimes when it comes down to that, what do you do when you think about families? Look, look through your family list there. What do you do when you look at families that have mistreated you? And you, you know, or the, the dark side, the, the family that's been insensitive to you. And uh, how, how, do you, how do you think? What are you thinking about things like that? And Joseph uh, was going through that situation. Joseph had to flip the switch in his relationship with his brothers in order to effectively fulfill God's purpose. He had to have clarity of purpose. He had to be committed to the plan. He had to control the process. One thing that is not recorded concerning Joseph, he did not look back and repeat all of the just injustice, pain, loneliness, fear, etc., that he had to endure. The Bible doesn't talk about that. He doesn't rehearse it in front of his brothers. Do you know, you guys, what you put me through? Do you know I was embarrassed when I, I, I stood there as a Hebrew? I couldn't hardly speak the language, and they, they sold me on the block. And here I am without my family, away from my people. Do you know how I felt? Do you know how I felt, guys? You know, look at me now. I'm, I'm second to the Pharaoh. Do you know how I felt about this? You know, these guys are already, look, they're already in prison. They're already, they're already beat up. They, you see, when a person, you see, when a person is tied with regret, don't beat them down further. They, they next to death, you, the worst thing that a person can follow all the rest of their life is regret. And these guys, even after Joseph forgave them, still had that regret. That's, and would regret his fear. He didn't bring that back up in their face. He flipped. Well, see, when you flip the switch, you have to let all of that go. You can't go back and rehearse that. Don't go back in the garbage and bring that junk out. That's why they label it garbage. Stay out of the garbage can. And so we find that in flipping the switch, we find that Joseph has having, having some very serious problems with his brothers. And uh, as far as he was concerned, he lost his family. Did it stop him from being Joseph? <laughs> Did it stop him from being kind? Did it, did it stop him from being a, a blessing to others? They, they blocked all the things, but what they could not block was him as a person. Don't let circumstances block who you are. Observation. 
there is a standing procedure in effective ministry. Do not permit the character builders of the past control what needs to be done today. Because what happens today will greatly affect our tomorrow. We, we, we got that, folks? Hope so. Hope so. I, I tell you what. Why don't you just kind of read it read so, so that uh, I know you, you kind of read it with me. Ready? Let's go. There's a standing procedure in effective ministry. Do not permit the character builders of the past control what needs to be done today because what happens today will greatly affect our tomorrow. What happens today will greatly affect our tomorrow. If you don't plan today, don't expect big things happening tomorrow. But if you plan today, if you do it in love, if you do it with a, with a heart that's pleasing to God, you can look for a great tomorrow. But if you let yesterday eat up your day talking about yesterday, then your tomorrow will look like today. And guess what? You know what's wasting away? Your life at the same time. The, the sands are quickly going it won't be long before all of a sudden it's not just days, years go by and you're still talking about the same thing. And after a while, people get tired of hearing what you're talking about. Number two, flipping the switch of disaster, Job. And so now we, we flip the switch now and now let's look at the whole idea of Job. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Uh, and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Now if Satan was that bad, you know, he can say, it's none of your business, right? Hey, Satan, you're that bad, so just, just tell God, it's none of your business, I decide, just come along with the rest of the angels. No, Satan reports just like everybody else. The Lord, and the Lord does not repeat himself. He says, where do you come from? Where you been? Where you been? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possession and have increased his land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, check this out. All that he has is in your hands, is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Don't you touch him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, if Satan was that bad, he said, and if I do, what are you going to do about it? You, you bad, Satan. I mean, you, you, you're always saying how tough you are. All you had to tell God is, okay, since you, call, you run the world and you're before God, God says, don't touch him. Then you just tell him, well, what if I do? That's all you have to do. Show us you're that bad. 
Do anyone see any of that? God is recording everything. Recording everything. Because God is always in control. It's something strange about this one, though. Watch this. Everything that's going on, Job does not know anything about it. This is happening in the spiritual realm. Where is it happening? In the spiritual realm. Happening in the where? Spiritual realm. It's happening while you're sleeping. It's, it's happening while you're going through your day. This is going on. We have no idea that in the spiritual realm, this is going on. And here's, here's what Satan is saying about you. And here's what God is saying about you. In the spiritual realm. Don't worry about what people are saying about you. It don't mean to heal beings in the spiritual realm. Where it really counts is where what God is saying about you in the spiritual realm. I am so glad when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, he was in the, he's in the spiritual realm praying for us. In the spiritual realm interceding for us, pulling for us. I'm so glad that he's right next to the throne of glory on our behalf. Observation. There are two major snapshots I want us to uh, look at. Number one, the first snapshot was a spiritual setup. God initiated it. Not Satan. Satan challenged it. God controlled it. Don't you touch him. All of the above was without Job's knowledge. The second snapshot was almost one year of hardship with Job's reaction. This second snapshot, first, the first one was, you know, God brought it up. And they said, okay, let's make this thing happen. And Job now is going through it. And you know the story? He lost his seven sons and three daughters on an ordinary day. He lost all of his livestock, so that took care of his riches. You can imagine as folks were watching him through, going through all of this tragedy, and Job didn't know what in the world was happening. But he says, when things like that is happening, then here's what you do. You hit your knees. And he fell down. And it says, and he worshiped God. But after that, do not hold course. He came back and he says, skin for skin. And says, let me touch his body. He touched his body. Then he had sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Some of the physicians say that that was what they call elephantitis. I don't know. All I know is that whatever type of disease it was, it was, uh, it was the, these balls and what have you that he had to scrape. He had to go outside of the house to the garbage dump. When he was out there, the, the people who hated him, their children were throwing rocks and everything at him. He's dealing with the flies, dealing with the, with the kids who were making fun of him. All of this in the daytime, and at night he was cold. And you can imagine for one whole year, he went through this mess. Not counting his friends coming along, looking at him, and suggesting, well, maybe you sinned. 
Then they got to the point, you were a sinner. And said, oh, if you only confess your sins. How do I flip the switch when it seems like there's nothing going for me? How do I flip the switch when God has not said or done anything up to this point? How do I flip the switch when it seemed like things kept getting harder and harder and harder for me? It seems like I just can't make it through another day. How do I flip the switch? And so God records the story of Job, but he has some very unique words that he wants us to understand about Job. Oh, he's not, it's not like a Joseph rejected by his family. Now it seems like no one, no one, his family, his children are dead. His wife says, why don't you curse God and die? His friends are calling him a sinner. God is silent. He's out there. It seems like he's floating all along. That's a that is a scary state. And Job is saying, if you ever feel that way, if you ever find that you're floating out there and it seems like it's, it's helpless, he says, there's a, there's a way that you, how you flip the switch. He said, moreover, more Job continued his discourse and said, as God lives who have taken away my justice and the Almighty who have made me my soul bitter. Here's, here's what he says now. I think it's very important. He says, as long as my breath is in me, as long as I'm still breathing, as, look, this is not, as long as I'm still breathing, as long as I'm still breathing, and the breath of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Far be it for me that I should say to you, that you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Wow, isn't that something? What a resolution of heart. It goes on. My righteousness I hold fast and will not what? Let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. I don't, know, I don't know how long it's going to be, Lord. But as long as I'm in this thing, here's what I'm going to do. Question. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what the storms are about to come, come into your life. But when you get ready to flip the switch, understand what is your resolution. Make it now. Make it now while you have the presence of mind. Jot it down. What is your resolution? What are you going to say to God? Can he trust you in the storms? Or are you still on spiritual warfare where you're following him because of all what he can provide for you? They have a number of groups that go around, name it and claim it and all these other things and count it so and as if God is our bellhop and he's not. He's not our servant. He's God. And he has mapped out our eternity. And what he wants us to see is that we are creatures of eternity. Not by accident, but by choice. It's almost like 
on the other side of this rug, you you, you see that it's all it's all the very nits and everything else. It's, I, I can imagine this literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And God look at this whole carpet and then he flips it over and says, I'm only going to take one out of this one. Psh. And that one is you. <laughs> and then he goes to another church and says, I'm going to take one out of here. And I'm going to take one out of here. I said, Lord, why are you doing it? Because I want to. When we look at the vastness of humanity, when you see the billions of people, when you see the billions of lives, why did God save you? Grace. God's grace. At least we can say thank you by at least coming up with a statement that when things go wrong, you can say, Lord, when things go wrong, here's my response to you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to maintain my integrity. I know who I am, and I'm going to stand on it. I don't care what happens. Say what you want to say, but it will not be defined, redefine who I am. Just say your words. I don't keep singing the song, I, I shall not. I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And you may be saying it with tears coming down your eyes, down your cheeks. Keep singing it. Your day will come when the clouds will all of a sudden bust open. And God says, the test is over. You made me look good. And that's what God wants to happen in our lives. Every believer should have a purpose statement. It will keep you focused. It will keep you faithful. It will preserve your ability to be fruitful. It will enable the Lord to flush out all of the subtle uh, hindrances in your life. Well, you've been very patient, so let's go to the last one. Flipping the switch on evil. Now we look at Jesus. What's the best specimen we can have? What's the best example we can have now? Out of all the ones, we talked about Joseph, we talked about Job. Then what about Jesus? When we talk about Jesus, then we think about the fact that he was insulted by his enemies. Sped upon by his, uh, his per persecutors. Beaten by his persecutors. Betrayed by Judas, his disciple. Deserted by his disciples, lied on by his enemies, condemned by God our Father for the sins of the whole world. I mean, when you think about Joseph, that's one thing. Here, here's Jesus, the whole purpose of him coming so that all of this could happen to him. Do you insult it? Sped upon, beaten, betrayed, deserted, lied on, condemned by God the Father. He cried out, although he's, it's, it's, it feels, fulfills the, uh, the prophecy of Psalms 22, I believe, I believe it is. Yeah, Psalm 22. Uh, it says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? 
But when you continue to reach down to it, you'll see that it's far more than that. But the whole idea is he's simply saying this, that God saw sin. When he took on the sins of the whole world, Jesus Christ said, I'm taking on your sins, and you never have to worry about it again. It's gone. So when God sees you, he's not looking at what you did, but who you are in Christ Jesus. So you don't have to come whimpering and begging and all these other things. He said, Donald, is that your opinion? Uh-uh. Hebrew says that when we approach the throne of God, we should approach it, what, what? Boldly. To boldly approach the throne of God. Why? Because when God sees you, he sees through, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the adopted sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. And he had to go through all, he had to flip the switch I can imagine the pain, though. Judas, three, three years with him, seeing all the miracles and everything else, and then in that garden for him to come up and, and gave him a kiss to identify him to be betrayed. And he says, betray me with a kiss? Is this what you're going to do? We were in the same boat. We went through it. Is this how you're going to do this to me, uh, Judas? The other disciples they didn't betray with a kiss. They just ran. <laughs> but the Lord told them, you're going to the scatter from me. And old Peter was saying, Lord, not me. I'll die. And he's the one who, uh, you know, he's the one who cursed and sweared and said, I never knew him. It hurt. It hurt. It hurt all the way up to the cross of Calvary. It hurt. And then the final, see, one was the first level of pain. It hurt from the physical side of all the relationship. It hurt to see all of this happen. That's why he's acquainted with all of our griefs. Please don't come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you know what, I have, you know what I'm going through. Lord, I, well, I understand what you're going through. I know exactly what you're going through. I know what it means to feel hurt. And then he was hurt on the spiritual realm because he has never been separated from the Father. Never from eternity past have he ever been separated from the triune. But because he bared our sins and God cannot stand sin, God knew they planned it to happen and it happened. And the results of it is he cried out. And guess what? He took on what we would have experienced had we died in our sins. No one that I know of have died and come back to, to tell us what it feels like to be eternally separated from God forever. Let that sink in forever. Every time you hear a person getting shot, every time you hear a person, every time they die without Christ, attached to that forever. You think that they went out in pain? That's child play. Now they're flipped into another area. And that's why when we, the matter of fact, God redefined who we are. When we were saved, God flipped the switch because of Jesus. So then it's not that we die. We fall asleep. And when we fall asleep in Christ, he's going to wake us up. We, we have a new destiny. We have a new name. We have a new relationship. We have a, we have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
We have everything working for us. And the only thing that can shut us down is that we not see this and walk in the beauty of it. But Jesus had to undergo all of this. From his birth up to his death on the cross, he experienced it all. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Acquainted with grief. Jesus flipped the switch. When he completed the divine plan for man's salvation, when he was still asking the Father to forgive them for not knowing what they were doing, when he sealed it with the words, it what? It is finished. He flipped the switch. Not because he was on the cross of Calvary. Uh-uh. He didn't flip the switch because he was on the cross of Calvary. Uh-uh. When he was on the cross of Calvary and when he said, it is finished. And then he says, into thy hand I commit my spirit. He said, I'm done. It's, it's a done deal. It's sealed. And he danced when he died. But wait a minute, wait a minute. The next thing that had to happen is in order for us to be accepted, now we must have the blood of this dead person. And that's why when the soldier came with the, soldier, with the sword and jammed it into his side, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. They did us the greatest blessing because when Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, on the cross of Calvary. And some, some of the liberals are saying that it was a swoon theory that he fainted on the cross of Calvary and, and woke up. I said, this is a bunch of craziness. Put it over in that little corner there. The whole idea was this, that when the blood was shed, then it sealed it. But we asked the question, if it was sealed, how do I know it was accepted? And I, and, I, and I just, and I just, and, and that's why every time, uh, I don't go to the bank anymore. I, you know, I, I used to go to the bank. I don't cash my checks anymore, you know, going to the tailor, get standing in those long lines. Uh, those who have the smartphones, I just take my phone and click, click, you know. Once I, once I have deposited with my, my, uh, my smartphones, then they will verify and they'll say, we got it. Once they say, we got it, then they see and send me an email and everything else to let me know it had been deposited. And then when I look into my account, it says deposited by mobile phone into the account. In other words, it is my receipt that the deal is done. They said, but oh, don't tear up your check until you see you, you got it. <laughs> don't, no, hold on now until you get your receipt. We have our receipt in Jesus Christ. He flipped it, and God says, he says, now, you got it. Now, all you have to do is make sure you receive it and make sure you draw on it. And when we draw on something like that, oh, what a blessing. And as we close this morning, I just want to let you know that I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care whether it's uh, on an ordinary day, things happening and God doesn't tell you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether, uh, whatever the situation may be, maybe a family issue or whatever it is, God says, I gave you the switch. Flip it. Because we're more than conquerors 
to him that love us. And so there's one last thing then. So as we look at this one last thing and we close it out in, in, in prayer, everything that happens to us has a purpose and a plan. Our responsibility is not to react, but to do what? Act. There's a tool that God has given us that will always give us the proper perspective. I call it flipping the switch. Flipping the switch. My prayer is that when God does something in our lives, that we too, we're very good at flipping the switch. Amen? That's my prayer for each one of us. And so, as we bow in prayer, I don't know what your week has been like. Has it been a great week? Has it been a victorious week? Has it been a frustrating week? Uh, whatever type of week it is, uh, next week's going to probably be different. Well, for me, I'm like Indiana Jones. Every week is different. Every week is different. And that's why I keep my switch close to me so that I know when to flip the switch and, and never be in the position of misrepresenting God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray for the saints of God. Thank you for the ones who are here this morning. Thank you for the dear hearts. Thank you for the fact that you love us with an everlasting love. And so I lift them up to you this morning. Help them to understand that you care for them. You love them. You have their best in mind. You have our best in mind. The best is yet to come. So help us to be busy in doing the things that's pleasing and honoring to you, anticipating your return, being faithful. Help us, Lord, never to be in a position of being bored as a believer. That's a sin. Oh, Lord, help us to be the people you're calling for. Thank you for what you're going to do. And if there be one that really do not know your Savior, help them, Lord, to understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, that they have to admit that they are a sinner, that they were born with sin, that they can't save themselves. Help them to understand, Lord, that you died for their state of sin. Help them to understand that they must admit this and accept the fact that you died on the cross of Calvary for their sins. Died and rose again. And ever lived, Lord, to be their Savior. And they just need to ask for forgiveness of their sins and ask you to be Savior. I pray for this in their name, in your name, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do in these lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, Amen. you want for me.
for me righteousness 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 is what I long for righteousness is what I need it's what I need righteousness righteousness is what you want for me Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want for me. Take my heart, take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my Thank you, Pastor Racker, for that word. Church, if you receive it, you can testify by saying amen. Amen. Now I received the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Let the church say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love you. You are dismissed. Yeah, I got to give them a call today.